Hey, what's going on, my money-crazed lunatics? You hear that? That's the sound of money. <laughs> and it smells pretty damn good, too. Thanks for tuning in this week, and I hope you enjoy the episode. What's going on, you filthy animals? Thanks for tuning in this episode. So this one we got for you is a great one. It's, it's centered around the questions that new investors should be asking before entering the market. And the guest we have is someone that's near and dear to our heart. It's Ben Chen. So he has been a pivotal part of Wall Street Junkie in lifting us off the ground when it comes to the website, when it comes to the Discord channel, and just the all-around operations of Wall Street Junkie. This guy has been there for us, and, and it's a great addition to Wall Street Junkie. And this episode is phenomenal. We cover all, the, all those hot-button questions that you should ask as an investor, right? What platform to use? How to get started? How much money is enough to get into the get into the stock market? All these questions that I keep getting on the daily, they're all covered in this podcast. So it's a great listen. Hope you guys enjoy. To cover a few housekeeping items, I hope you guys are enjoying the website. I've seen a lot of activity on it. You can now see the episodes archived on the actual website. You can find everything there from the blog to the Discord to the other platforms that are available for the podcast. You name it, it's there. And also you'll notice it's tied to my real estate company, Paramount Real Estate. If you're in Northern California and soon to be Nevada, I'm soon to get my license there. If you're looking for real estate, you know who to reach out to. Not only a sales guy, I'm an investment guy. I can give you the low down and dirty of the market, the real estate market in the greater Sacramento area, and I'd love to do business with you. So without further ado, hope you guys enjoy the episode. Well, hey, Ben, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for coming on. For sure. Thank so, you for having me. Oh, yeah. So for you guys listening in that don't know, Ben is, you know, our technical director, and he's really been the guy behind the scenes the last month, month and a half. That's really been able to put together the Discord community channel that you guys enjoy, the website. He played the biggest role in putting that together. Um, and Brandon, you got any more good things to say about this man? Yeah, ultimately, all of the work that it takes to maintain this place, like all the custodial stuff too, uh, moving banners, updating photos, inserting bios. He's uh, he's our man for all of that. So a lot of the time that uh, has progressed and all the development that's come from it, uh, he's been you know the key and instrumental driver in a lot of that. So uh, Ben's a wonderful part of our team here, and we're lucky to have him. So I'm and he's a young guy too. So it's good to have a you Absolutely. know a, a young guy who's Ben. You're 17, aren't you? I just turned 18 a couple months ago. Okay. Yeah. Well, without further ado, Ben, tell us a little about yourself. Tell tell the community, you know, your story. Yeah, um, I am a very new investor. I only have like a couple grand in the um, in Robinhood right now, and I'm looking for a lot of different companies to invest in, and that's why I'm here today to um, to ask some questions about the market. Hell yeah, that's what we like to hear. It's it's always good to get guys this young starting to invest because to be honest with you. Ben, I mean, you're starting before I really did. And the fact that you have a couple of grand speaks volumes. And that's, don't discount that at all. Because the fact that you have money in the market, uh, you're beating 
you know, well over half of oh, U.S. Man. Americans that are twice yeah, your if age. I could go back, <laughs> if I could go back at 18 years old and, and know to start investing, and moreover, if I could go back at 18 years old and find people who are good at investing or that can really help guide you, like, man, that would that would have been amazing. So, Ben, we're, we're very lucky that, uh, you know, we're very hopeful that we get to provide value to you as this goes on. Definitely, and definitely. I'm, I'm also very lucky to be here and uh, receive advice from you, too. Well, absolutely. You know, before we start that, how did you get started in investing? I mean, at your age, I wasn't even thinking about that. I was just thinking about chasing tail and whatever else you do in high school. I don't know. Oh, yeah. What? Well, my father has always been like a big stock guy. And uh, every time he's doing stocks, I'm just out there like watching him do it. And every time he gets uh, makes profit, I'll ask him how he made it. And every time he lost money, I'll ask him the same question. Like, what, what happened? What happened to his stocks? And it's like over time, I would just be gathering and accumulating this experience and his stories. So I became interested in the market. And once I turned 18, I just tuned into the market and started investing. Smart man. Beautiful. Smart man. What what kind of stuff did you want to talk about, Ben? I think the first thing is really about like a um a trading platform. Like what is the best trading platform that I should use? Right now I currently use Robinhood, but uh, after the whole GameStar Robinhood feud, I became a little bit more confused or um doubtful about if I should use Robinhood or another platform or not. So uh, I'd like to hear you guys' insight on that one. Yeah, that's a tough one because, you know, it, Robinhood and Webull did such a great job marketing and putting themselves in front of people your age or even really people our age as well, right? Because they want something easy, fast, Absolutely. you know, in, in a mobile platform. And that's what Webull and that's what Robinhood are. Um, and really, they, they transformed the game, right? The zero commission, you know, they they changed the landscape. And because of that, they forced every other every other brokerage service to really kind of take over that model. And because of that, I think there's less of a reason really to be in Weeble and Robinhood. And we can get into why in a little bit. Um, but I'm always going to go for like TD Ameritrade. And I know Brandon Young... You know, Brandon, he's in it. Um, and mainly the big reason I like that is you could just scale your wealth and you have the access to other financial tools. So other retirement accounts and other other things that you can use that Weeble and um, Weeble and Robinhood don't have, right? They don't have Roth IRAs. They don't have any of those different brokerage accounts, um, tax advantage accounts. So that's kind of one big reason why, Brandon, what do you think? Um, I'm a bit more of an opportunist about these sort of things, but like, first off, let me predicate and say like the applications that you use to trade on significantly less important than the fundamentals behind your trading, right? Like a, you know, buying a stock at price X on platform A is the same thing as buying the same stock on platform B. The reality is, is that like sometimes clearing houses and other things like that have sort of a play into what sort of platform you use. But, you know, if if one stock platform is offering you free stocks for opening up a small account going there, like go for it, open up a small account there. For me, I like having several different portfolios, uh, 
I know like, you know, for TD Ameritrade, I could split up and make different accounts. But uh, for me, I, I use, you know, I, I had a Robinhood account. I've never really put money on it. I think I just loaded it up, took the Free stocks stuff. out, left. Yeah, why not, right? And then, um, you know, I have a Webull account. Um, I use that yeah, we do. Uh, sometimes. Yeah, you know, I use that specifically for a $1,000 portfolio challenge. And for me, it's like, okay, well, I could put that money aside as a separate project. And then, you know, I have like three or four different uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency wallets, just because if you're going to hold cryptocurrency as an asset, you want to have them in different places in case, you know, one of the, the institutions gets hacked, lost, whatever, you know, diversify it th that way. Um, I use a TD Ameritrade platform for my main uh, stock accounts, just because it's like, for me, it's more of a professional setup. Um, for me, it's like there's more of a professional institution behind it. You so can scale I, your I wealth like better. More. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's better for if you're doing a retirement account. Um, you need to be careful with a lot of the mobile apps like Robinhood because like one of the bigger issues is like if you're fighting for custody, if like let's say when you if you die, right, and your your family member wants to get possession of that stock account, but it's not in their name, it's significantly harder to get it back from robin hood than it is say like td ameritrade right? it's just it's because it, it it's hard to do rights of survivorship that way right. so you know if you're just if you're just trying to buy some stocks and hold them in little amounts yeah robin hood's fine you can vote morally with what you think robin hood could have done with xyz as a company that's you know that's totally subjective for what you think the platform should be and what the platform provides to you so like I try not to get too much of your emotions in from that one event into like how the fundamentals of the company go. Cause likely, um, even though there was such protest over Robinhood, I'm sure there's going to have a lot of resurgence in there. They're going to continue to throw out free stocks and eye candy to people, more money yep. is going to rush into it. Um, and you know, it's, it's interesting because Webull and Robinhood both have the same clearinghouse, which is apex, I'm pretty sure. Yep. So it's like, you know, yeah. ultimately, these guys are kind of just money puppets while the, the big lenders in the back actually moving the stocks around. So it's, you know, like most things in the market, it's like many different faces to the same entity. Um, that is one such occasion. So yeah. got it. Got it. So basically platforms, they don't really have a very big impact on our own ways to invest. Is that what you're saying? For, for starting out, I would say, um, but as you get older, I don't think anyone with serious money would probably sink money into Robinhood and um, Weeble. Another reason is it takes longer to settle typically on Robinhood and Weeble. Mm. Um, and also, I know we've talked about this before. There's actually some international stocks and bonds that you just don't get access. So you can't trade bonds in some asset classes on Weeble and Robinhood, although bonds are kind of dog shit right now, so it doesn't really matter to you. But for those out there that are wanting that, that is a um, a downfall of those platforms. Another okay. another thing, just point of order, Robinhood and another app called Stash are decent at one thing is like fractional shares, right? So like, yeah. let's say you wanted to buy some some Amazon, right? But you don't have $3,000 to buy a Bezos Lira, like you just can't get enough money <laughs> together to buy it. You have to like, you can be like, uh, give me an eighth of that Amazon stock for $400, $500, whatever the case may be, right? So uh, that's a great way to get you know, a name in some of these bigger companies you normally wouldn't have access to if you don't want to buy an ETF or an index fund, et cetera. 
Um, so, you know, uh, there's, there's many different tools that you can use in finance. Um, and sometimes some institutions are better sorted to that certain tool than others. Yeah. That's a good question though. What platform do you use, Ben? Uh, currently on Robinhood. Um, I think what's really, what really caught me was the very clean interface, but I do feel like when I compare the inter that does Robinhood specific interface to like a traditional candle chart, um, I just can't tell which one is better right now. So I would also like some insight on that as well. If you're talking about platform, Robinhood is a great platform just on your phone, but TD Ameritrade has one of the best in-house analytics platforms. And I know Brandon is shaking his head yes, because it's called Toss or Think or Swim, right? Um, mm -hmm. And that's what yeah. all the... If you're on YouTube and you watch day traders, which I'm, I don't like day traders, but they almost always use um, Think or Swim or interactive yeah. brokers. But Think or Swim, mm -hmm. for that reason, I tell people to go to TD Ameritrade because their analytics platform is, is the tits. I mean, it, they're great. That's what day traders do. What you do to claim authority in the stock market <laughs> YouTube world, you just pull up thinkorswim, you show a bunch of charts and a bunch of graphs yes. and numbers moving up, down, left, right. And then you pause it and you go teacup, teacup, and you draw some arrows, go up, and mm. then you go, yes. And then everyone's like, yeah, brilliant. Claps, claps, claps. We love the stock. And then you're, you, know, you make all the money. And you draw and a swear. few trend lines and you're, you're a professional trader, dude. So, you know, for us trying to teach proper ways of investing, right? away from that, we're literally swimming upstream. So it's it's an uphill fight because everyone wants that. Everyone wants to see graphs and a line going up and going, this is the one, right? Because it's visual, um, people like visual, right? They like to see visuals. And the problem with fundamental investing is it's not that clear, right? You don't have clear charts to say, oh, good stock, right? It's fundamental investing is a lot more subjective because there's different ways to do it. And there's different approaches. And so I think that's why you see a lot of people gravitate towards that technical or that charting is just because it is that instant gratification that people are looking for. I know we mm -hmm. kind of got off topic, yeah. but that's, but to answer your question, think or swim, phenomenal platform. Yep. Definitely heard of that. And I'll definitely check it out later. And you could paper yeah. trade with it too, by the way. So you can it's fun too. You can do that right now, actually. Go on Think or Swim and you can give yourself a million bucks, Ben, and just go mm. you just put put it all on uh, GameStop and AMC and see what happens in a month. Yeah, I whenever I want to feel like a degenerate and play with options, that's what I do. I go to Toss and just throw options plays into the abyss and then cry about fortunes and bankruptcies that could have been. It's a wonderful time. Mm. Yeah. I think, yeah, the next thing that I want to talk about is um, is the amount of time that I need in order to be like a, like a even like a remote, uh, remotely retail individual investor. Because after I got into the market, um, I would get up really, really early because I live in California and the market. Um, 5.30. Market, yeah. I would get up really, really early and uh, just to read news and watch the market. Like, do I need to do this every day or can I do this like even after the market close? and just do my normal research after the market post like during the afternoon in california time like is that how it works the um what well, to, to each their own i i will say i don't do that ben you're beating me on that man you're waking up at 5 30 before the market opens good on you man um 
But I, I, I mean, I think Brandon would say Brandon probably does more than I do. He probably reads more than I do. Um, and it, it really depends on how long you're um, like, what's your time horizon and what things you're invested in. Because if you're reading every day, then that might mean that you're investing in very volatile positions where the news intraday news does matter. Um, for me and my time horizon and my strategy, I look at it maybe once a week. I mean, I'll read general news, but the companies and strategies I'm invested in, um, I don't, um, I don't do it every morning. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. What about you, Brendan? Well, this is like <clears throat> the simple answer is you should spend as much time investing companies and making strategies about the stocks as you are comfortable with. Yeah. And I think it's, it can be as simple as you want it to be. It can be as simple as these are, I'm going to buy SPY. I'm going to buy S&P 500 funds. I'm just going to broad market fund. And I don't even care if the market's up or down. Every time I get a paycheck, I promise that I will put up X amount of money every month, every time into this bucket, no matter what happens. And I'll never pull it out till the day I die. It can be that simple. It could be. Yes, I wake up every morning at 5 a.m. because that's when the stock market gets ready and I want to be ready when it goes. And I want like, like it's, it's totally up to you. For me, I love, I find companies that I love researching and learning about. And I love learning companies and fields that are interesting to me. Because for me, I'm really hyperactive. If I'm not learning or researching something, I, I can sputter out and do unproductive things all day. So for me, I love pouring over companies. I love looking at earnings reports. I, I love looking at predictive analytics. I love hearing other researchers and analysts talk and comment on each other and debate. Like for me, this is exciting. It's yeah. fun. Now that doesn't mean that anytime something exciting happens, my money's moving, right? I'm, you have to be very reserved, very patient, but you also have to like, you have to be mindful of what's going on in the market. Cause it's a race. It's a race in a lot of these sectors to claim a lot of these really important checkpoints and milestones. And, yeah. you know, I guess the better answer like to your question, it, it really depends on your goal. But I mean, if you can be successful in the market with doing very little work, I, I will say that mm -hmm. that does exist. Um, and I'm probably one of those guys that does the least amount of work because um, it's just a value thing. I think you are. If you're one of those guys that his time is valuable, I think you actually have to set, unless you really like it like Brandon, but for me, time is money. And I think for most people, time is money. So I think you have to realistically look at your returns and see, are you adding value by spending all this time researching? Chances are, it's probably not the case, but that's for you to decide. Um, you know, statistically speaking, it's not, but I hope that kind of helps. Yeah, for sure. Um, speaking of ETF and SPY funds, how are you guys so sure that putting, let's say, a portion of my weekly or monthly check into these funds um, will guarantee me a profit? History. History. And I know people right. say you can't it's repeat, you can't bet on history, but there's such a high likelihood of the American economy and the American American companies, um, you know, being able to weather the storm. So that's why people flock to S and P five hundred. 
It's just that broad bet on America and history. You can, yeah, you can look back any 10-year stretch of time in the S&P 500. There's never been a 10-year period of time in the entire history where that has ever gone into a negative. You can't find it anywhere on a timeline. Yeah, that's right. So <clears throat> people are like, there's no way you can guarantee a win. It's like, well, we're batting like, a, you know, we're batting 100% right now. I know it might skip a beat in the future, potentially, but if we're judging by previous performance and projected performance, no one's expecting American economy to take a dip anywhere in the near future. Yeah. Despite what politics will try and push. And it's an important thing there. You have to learn how to distinguish politics and rhetoric to the actual state of the economy. And even so news media right now, man, like news media, the, sens the sensationalist articles they're putting out on, you know, CNN business or MSNBC business or, you know, mm -hmm. even like Bloomberg, all these, they're just on for clickbaits. And that's all you're seeing, like market crash 2021. I mean, you just got to kind of put your finger, your middle finger up and just say, you know what, I'm not going to listen to it because a lot of it is, it's just noise. Something important here too, and this, this might rattle some people. It's, it's not just the news sources. It's anyone with a platform in media, meaning movies, advertisements, commercials, Facebook TV groups, shows, TV shows. Yeah. TV shows like Top Gear, they've been got, they've been caught literally faking cars breaking down to make funny bits on the show when the cars haven't actually broken down. Yeah. And there's been resulting like plummets and news rating stuff like that that have happened. So anyone in the media can affect what's going on in the news and stock market public sentiment. The stock market's a graph of rich people's feelings. And if you think about it that way, it'll really like, you know, yeah. it can help. Not everyone's always acting rationally. Okay, so how how can I make sure that I'm listening to rational reasoning or like I am acting rationally and telling my friends rational things? So I think with that, I think the answer to your question for a lot of people is because of the emotional biases that exist. That's why right now I'll always preach to put start out in ETFs and index funds, especially as a new investor, because there's so much volatility. Um, you really... It's a good entry into the market because right now you're seeing so much volatility that it's very hard to time the market. And I get worried for new investors like yourself that go all gung-ho into a couple of individual stocks and the volatility shakes them sideways and it scares them. You know what I mean, Brandon? Because that's, that's what I fear because, Brand or Ben, you have time on your side. I mean, you're 18. The fact that you are already have a few thousand dollars in the market, you're going to college... You're going to be a millionaire probably by the time you're 40. I mean, I'm just telling you. Yeah. I mean, I realistically, so. I would think you would hit a million dollars by 40. Yeah. We can get you there. <laughs> no, even if you do ETFs, Ben, I know I know you can get there. Yeah, You're that you type can, of guy. <laughs> I know yeah, you could. It's simple. You um, have to think about paying into them like paying a car bill or yeah. – paying your student loans or, you know, your phone bill, whatever it is, right? Every month, just get used to going like, hey, I'm going to pay this much into it. Yeah. Um, at least for part of your investments. Do you consistently invest, Ben, or are you just kind of sitting on a few? Well, I guess you don't have, you still, uh, uh... Yeah, I currently don't have an income right now, but yeah, I'm just sitting on my money right now. Good. Okay, good. 
Well, but yeah, sorry, uh, like, like, like Brendan said, I will. Oh, sorry. Like, oh, oh pick, picking ETFs. Yeah, you said, how can someone know for sure what's a yeah, good one to yeah. pick, right? So, like, um, hopefully everyone pays attention to history class, right? For me, I did really good in the stock market last year because I kind of paid attention to some trends that kind of repeat in history. And you can kind of really see and learn and analyze and predict how people are going to react a little bit. Not always, sometimes it's priced in, it's not 100% valuable, but when everyone was first learning about like the computer, the first computers that was coming out, like right out of World War II, some of the mistakes and problems that everyone was like saying about the computers, like it's way too big, there's no way the average American household will ever be able to have a computer in each home. They said the same thing about the printer, they said the same thing about the refrigerator. TV. Like, technology everything. has a way of scaling things down, right? Yep. A great example right now is, is 3D printing. People think 3D printing, oh, it's too slow right now. Machines are too big. There's no way every single house, like there's a chance 3D printing can become an instrumental part of everyday use. If you needed a part, instead of running down to the Home Depot, you can just make one out, you know, inside of your living room and, and there you go. Yeah, get a CAD drawing but and boom. The, the problem is, is how can I right now look at all of the hundreds or of, of 3D printing companies that exist, not just in America, but all over the world, and know oh, which one of these is gonna win. Because it's most of the time it's a winner take most, right? If there's gonna be a 3D printing winner, it's gonna be an Amazon of the 3D printing world. It's gonna be something yeah. like that. That's how most of this new stuff works. Well, you don't have to find the needle in the haystack if you just buy the whole damn haystack. You know, that's what we're saying. You can just bet on the market 3D printing. Find an ETF or an index fund that's all of the 3D printing companies and just start buying money at it. And eventually, the good ones are going to start to consolidate the weaker ones. And suddenly, you're going to start seeing that you're owning these broader companies, right? Yep. You know, you have to think about it like, don't just think individual companies, think markets, think sectors, sectors. think the size yep. of the companies. There's so many different flavors and colors that you can paint within the market to label how you can categorize your money making nets yeah. um, that you can really, really pay, like make proficient baskets if you're clever about it. Yep. Yeah. That, um, if that's the case, ETF definitely sounds a lot more um, balanced and profitable than like a single company. Yeah, yeah you, the... you balance, but you could still get that, that stellar return out of it. I mean, you're seeing mm -hmm. that with definitely. certain fund groups and even if that's in, look, here's the thing though, people think because you invest in an ETF, you're not subject to volatility. Some of these ETFs are extremely volatile. And for some people that's too much. And then there you have the S&P 500 or your total funds or your global. And I recommend those too, but for someone like you and you wanna get exposed to specific sectors, I think ETF would probably be your best bet. Um, yeah. to kind of dabble in it. I wouldn't put sink 100% of my money into um, a single ETF, especially if you're going for sector bets. Right. But that I hope that helps a little bit. And that's kind of the rationale behind ETF investing. Got it, got it, yeah. Some of that us sounds do good to like me. the fast lane though. Yeah, I mean, Some it's different strokes for different folks. I just think you have to be honest with right. um, your emotional biases because I don't think most people recognize how emotional they get in the market. And so that's why ETFs are kind of a beautiful thing is they kind of keep your shit in check more so than an individual. Losing money feels way worse than making money. Yeah. 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 Just Cause be I mean, for that when you start losing money. 
Yeah, because like if you lost twenty bucks versus winning twenty bucks, you'd be way more pissed about losing the twenty dollars than being happy you made twenty. Because you're gonna be like, yeah, twenty bucks, who cares? But you're gonna be like, oh motherfucker, I lost twenty. <laughs> Or you're like a, a masochist like me and you see the red every day in your portfolio and you're really like, yes, bleed me more. And you just, it's a good time. Yeah. Yeah, I hope that helps, man. Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely got a, a lot more insight on ETFs and uh, the market. Thank you for that. But we're not just all ETF investing, but I think for most new investors, I'm going to preach that to start. Um and once you get a feel for it. It's a good way it, to learn the speed. The of speed. Because people get into the markets too fast and then they get burned. You saw it in 08. People got burned during COVID too. I mean, a lot of people got burned in COVID because they sold out. They they cut and run. They cashed out their retirement funds. Yeah, a lot yeah. of people cashed out. Um, especially people, you know, 55, you know, late 50s, early 60s, getting close to retirement. They took substantial losses because they're like, oh, I'll cut now because I don't want it to lose another X amount. And I mean, that sucks because they would have just waited a few months. They would have been fine. Um, right. And so that more really than more than fine. So that really speaks to just kind of trying to create a portfolio that um, limits you from making bad decisions off emotional off emotions. You're fighting yourself in the market more than anything else. I really think that you're fighting against yourself. The natural trend of the market is up. So the more decisions and struggling you make, trying to move in and out of positions oftentimes will burn more of your gains than it's prevent for you. Yeah, people overtrade. That's a huge, um, huge mistake most people make. It's overtrading, overcompensating in their portfolio. Okay, that sounds... Sounds good to me. So uh, yeah, when if I if I see a profit, if I do see a profit, when do I when do I cash out? When do I sell my stocks? Brandon, you want to hit that one first? And since you seem to have more of an active okay, so, taste, right? I try and hold on to stocks until I literally just can't hold them anymore. I've been trying to get better at keeping them down. And uh, right now during this correction, I've been, I've been really flexing that muscle a lot. That being said, when you're ahead, you only should really ever sell or think about selling when the price of your investment or the stock price has greatly exceeded the actual underlying fundamentals of the company. Yeah. Uh, a perfect example for a lot of new investors. I know we've, we've talked about it, you know, uh, ad nauseum on this channel, but it's a really good example of a bubble. It's a perfect example of a bubble with CCIV, Lucid Motors. Lucid Motors opened up as a SPAC at $10. It was expected to be at a 12, uh, sorry, a $15 billion valuation. So everyone thought they were getting a piece of a company when it was still really, really young in its infancy. So the expected growth was supposed to be extreme. Right. So investors bought in, hyped it up, bought it up, got it up to about $45, $48 a share, which was insane at that point. It was already trading around the same average price as Etsy, right? Which is a huge company already shipping products all over the world, already an integrated market, huge distributor supplier, like already taken off. Now, then another article came out saying that not only was this, this merger confirmed that it was going through, 
but it, the company might be as valued as low as $12 billion, meaning there's a 30% gap in valuation. So the price shot up to 60, $62 a share. Now it is trading over the price of Etsy. I put in, you know, uh, like five, $6,000 worth of shares into CCIV. When it blew up to that point, I realized, hey, this is, this is grossly been overvalued from what, you know, the fundamentals of the company are, right? So what I did was I didn't want to cash everything out and wait for the castle cards to tumble or anything like that. But what I did was I sold out my initial investment, which meant that the original $5,000 I put in, I pulled out and the rest I let ride. Yep. So now I, I have, uh, you know, I have my investment in a company that I wanted, you know, I have the shares that I, I wanted. I have a long-term growth projection for this. I'm really not worried about what this stock is going to do from here. Because you paid yourself three, four five years, right? I've already paid myself. This is, you know, I've already pulled the fruit from this tree. I will wait for it to, to, to be bloomed yeah. again. And, you know, and if something crazy happens or it once again, grossly outseeds or oversteps where it's supposed to be, or people overhype it, or maybe it gets targeted by a Reddit GameStop squeeze. Who knows what this is going to happen? Like the, the market's weird right now. Um, you could have a, a good fundamental, you know, company and think this is going somewhere. And then someone comes in and hyper pumps your stock up just because they're playing Reddit games. You know, that could be an example of when I'd sell out. Yeah. But um, stereotype, you know, like a lot of people think like, oh, once you're up, X number, this is when you cash out because da 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 da. What they're trying to do is they're trying to surf, right? They're trying to ride these waves. And yeah. like once they're at the top, I'm always going to sell at the top. And then once it's at the bottom, I'm always going to buy the dip because my plan with stocks, it's so simple. I buy them low and then I sell them higher. If, if it was like, that simple, it's, everyone would, yeah. It's absolutely you're I, like no one's a genie with a crystal ball that knows that and if you think you're doing that you're gonna wipe out and when you wipe out and you think you've bought the dip and then you buy the dip and then it keeps dipping and it's like a double triple oh no you were in a bubble you're doomed 30 40 50 60 percent of your momentum money is gone and you're gonna be wiped out for five or six months so your portfolio is ever that size again all the while you're still paying taxes on all your gains you're making so it's like end of the day you're you're setting yourself further behind right just because you made one mistake you open yourself up to so much vulnerability i so think at the very least yeah, yeah i totally agree and i think ben to answer your question as well i think you have to go in every investment you have to have an idea of what your time horizon on that investment is and what your plan is you have to have an exit strategy and i think that's super important and typically I mean, for companies I invest in, I intend, when I invest in them, I t intend to hold them for at least five years because I just go for value and I go for for value and, and large growth potential and high quality companies as well. I, I only really like to invest in your blue chips usually because I still think there's, there's, there's misvalue there. I think people underestimate the value of blue chips in portfolios. So... That's typically Can you define just, a blue chip. Yep, a blue chip is is basically, I guess you could say your S and P five hundred to start. That's typically what I would consider a blue chip. Like your is that is that what you would consider it, Brandon? Yeah, I mean, I mean, literally take it to poker terms. It's your most valuable game piece, right? It's like 
like you don't want to break and sell this ever right yeah. unless you're cashing it out for several other things you yeah do it so it's like you hold on to those because you know in five or ten years they have the largest chance of you know still being there doesn't mean they're always going to be there like mm-hmm. you can look at kodak right kodak used to be in a blue chip stock and now yep. it's gone they leave so. the index all the time um so for me ben like i usually have a five-year time horizon at the very least mm-hmm. but usually i'll look at my positions um every quarter typically i like that's the cadence where i'll look at each position and kind of really really dive into the valuation so when you say you read the news every day i'll do my my really dive in on the analysis on their companies maybe once a quarter and i'll look at it and say hey you know do i still like the long-term view of this company and if so i'm going to continue to hold it and typically that works really well for me because like i said it's high value companies high quality um but then occasionally you know i'll be like you know what i missed i missed the mark on this sector and i think i there's an opportunity cost by not getting out of this position and going elsewhere and i will look at that usually once a quarter that's kind of my strategy it's like a new versus pro thing right it's like focus focus Mm -hmm. on the big money and not the small money and you will you'll have a better chance at at succeeding like you have to think long term you have to think you know end game strategy don't think about the intraday trading because that's where you're going to lose the, it gives you more chances to lose battles. And at the end of the day, it's risk mitigation that's going to make you more money yeah. than taking risks. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds very smart. Yeah. And look, for someone like you who's so smart, man, you can spend your time building a business on the side and things of that nature. So that's typically how I view. And that's kind of what Brandon and I have been doing with this thing is a lot of our day is spent doing stuff like this. For Wall Street Junkie in the community, um, helping you guys out. So that's kind of how we allocate our time. So finding a strategy that fits your needs is super important. It's not a one-size-fit-all, too. It's not a one-size-fit-all. Have you read uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Ben, by any chance? No, I haven't. Tell me more. All right. So there's a, it's a really good, it's a, it's an anthology of books and I recommend them. If you could read them at your age right now, I think it'll set you, it sets you ahead where most of my peers are at today. But I think there's one of the books, which is like, uh, the, the, the fundamentals of networking, right? Um, I think it's like the number seven book in the anthology, but it breaks down. There's like, he says, there's four types of brainwashed people, or there's four types of mindsets of people yeah. in a society. There's your E-types, your employee types. These are the people that they spend every single day and what they really strive most in life is they want comfort. They want comfort. a safe security. salary wage. They want security, right? That's what they really want. What they You'll hear them talk about like anytime they're at the parties and they're talking to their friends and they haven't seen each other. It's like, hey, I'm getting X number of employment days off. I really like my paid vacation time. I, I'm really enjoying uh, how many sick leave days I'm getting. Like it's, you know, it's that type of stuff. Yep your benefits plans, whatever. Right. Then you have your, your self-employed types, right? These are the people like they make their own job. They're your home, your, your do-it-yourself plumbers, electricians, power washers, yeah. the gig economy workers. They typically make some pretty serious money because they're channeling their own work. But at the end of the day, they're only profiting off of their own labor. Nobody else's, right? So at the end of the day, all of their time is still being pushed into their labor to make money. Yeah. Now, like, that's like the left side of the aisle. This is 99% of America, in my opinion, right? Like, 
And to me, those are like the zombies. These are, I mean, I, they make up your day-to-day people. And I'm not you trying need to say you, you need do them. this job. I, I work a day-to-day job, right? I work the, I live the zombie life, but here's the thing. I'm also on the other side of the fence, which is there's your I types. It's your investor types. Your investor types know that it's not, the true currency of the world isn't money. It's time, right? Everyone wants time, right? Bill Gates died with $10 billion. How much money do you think he'd spend for a year of his life back? for an hour, he'd spend a lot. You can never spend money to get your time back, but you can spend it now when you're early to get your time back a lot sooner, get control of your life a lot quicker. Yeah. Yeah. Investors know that I can make my money and my time make more money and more time in the future. Right. And then you have your business owners, the people that go, I don't need time or money. What I need is other people to work for me so I can make money and time on the side. Yep. Enough where I can provide security for other people who want to work and learn under me. Right. Right. If you're only ever looking on this left side of the fence of how can I make my next paycheck, right? And you're never looking about how to set up these passive incomes, you're always going to be a part of somebody else's solution to their money problem. Yep. Right. And ultimately, what everyone wants in life, doesn't matter what walk of life you live, is their own freedom. freedom. Everyone wants the ability to go where they want, live where they want, be where they want to be, be healthy, happy, and follow their hobbies and passions. And you can never do that if you have to turn your time into money. Right. Yep. Yeah, yeah you want to take your money and, and get your time back. And that's, and that, that's exactly what you want. And you know, kind of give you more of an idea, man. T- to be honest with you, your portfolio kind of has to to he- the way I, at least in portfolio theory, what the way it looks like is you you take your your day job, right? That's your human capital. So you know, for someone who works a day job, who's got a salary and things of that nature, their portfolio, you can afford to be risky. Right, because your your human capital is much like a bond, right? You're getting a salary every every week, every month, you name it, you get the same paycheck. So you can afford to take more risk with your portfolio. The reason why people look at me and they're like, Well, you know so much about the markets. Why do you invest the way you do? It's because when you're an entrepreneur or you're someone who has to rely on his own labor to get paid, you have to make sure make sure your portfolio is kind of hedging that. So because my my human capital, my day job is much more volatile, right? I'm an entrepreneur. I kind of need that that portfolio, my investment portfolio to be kind of the backbone of my support and think in case things go sideways. So that's kind of how you'd want to look at investing because it's different for each person, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are those are very very intelligent words. I appreciate it. Oh yeah, you're gonna get there, man. You're gonna get a million bucks by the time you're forty. I already know. Mm, I will try my best. It's you don't even. I'm Some telling money. you right now, you don't even know, Ben. You'll get the best there. Best will do. Tell yeah. Me. Yeah. Oh man. So as far as oh, let's see, what what other I can cut this Any out, more no biggie. What's another um, good one? I think I don't have anything else for now. I felt like I learned a lot today already. But yeah, um, yeah. is there anything else that you want to talk about? 
You know, I think um, I think something I wanted to highlight is like why people should start investing. Oh right? like yeah, Ben. Mm. Yeah, yeah, Ben. Ben, you Ben is eighteen years old and he's investing several thousand dollars in the market. Yeah, if that's... you're not at that stage, right? Like at this point, like I, I don't, I'm not trying to shame you, but you you're not doing yourself any favors. Yeah, in you're fact, inspiring. I think you're setting yourself behind. And I think like you should really take uh, you should take a, a consideration of, like what you should do and how you can how you can get there. And you know, for people that make a lot of money, right? Currently, make good salary jobs. Everyone wants to buy the the newest, greatest, latest thing, and they keep shackling themselves to more and more debt, more and more payments, right? Like at the end of the day, if you're even if you're making all the money in the world, if you're not setting up some sort of passive income strategy, if you're not learning how to invest your money really you're not even i would argue you're not even chasing your dreams at that point mm -hmm. what i'd argue is is that uh commercialism has sold you your dreams as products and you are nothing but a consumer to those things and yeah. you've lost sight of what you've really wanted to do with your which passions. is freedom which is your freedom right like you know there was there was a time where you did not like the idea that people could tell you where to be what to wear how to act and you know who you are what your identity should be tied around this occupation yeah consumers are imprisoned i think and unfortunately you know that's a necessary evil of capitalism it, it has to ha has to happen that way you have mm -hmm. to consume eventually you have to consume but there's a difference yeah there's a difference between walking into consumption like a like a veteran warrior getting ready to fight his last fight like you know you're gonna lose to consuming so you're like well at the very least i'm gonna consume what's best for me what makes the most sense for me, what's the most responsibly for me. And then there's like total surrender at the hands of an approaching enemy. We're like, oh no, like mm -hmm. I bet I better just spend the whole evening on Netflix. Like, bro, like you need like you need to go start watching some videos. Like you need to go, you need to take steps to educate yourself and learn things and meet people. And yeah, you have to have these things set up. And the mm -hmm. more you learn about it, the more profitable it tends to be. It'll you'll surprise yourself. You just have to you need to remember those dreams you had. You need to remember what you wanted to be and those freedoms. And you need to start literally like analyzing what I do to get there. Right. You know? Yeah. And yeah. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. You start at 18. Look, when's the best time to start investing? It's now. Whenever it is, if you're listening to it, it's now. But how was the feeling when you first invested? Because I remember I was addicted from the get-go. How was that for you? Ben, when you when I you saw your money I'm, work for you, I'll, I am still in the starter phase, and I am just reading news every single day and right. watching the market. Yeah, because it's exciting because you're yeah, seeing it's healthy. exciting. Yeah, exactly, and that's the whole point is you want to get you will get that excitement once you start investing, and then once you start investing, all you freaking think about is how you can invest more. And what you can do to get more money in your accounts, because that's all I think about. And then that's how you kind of it's, defeat it's consumerism, because then you're like, okay, how can I stop spending as much so I can feed my my accounts with money? Because they're getting hungry. Yeah. And something beautiful, something that you will have in common with a 65-year-old college professor, with a 44-year-old property owner, with an entrepreneur, a CEO as an 18-year-old is if you can speak intelligently about markets, speaking market language and speaking investment property language and understanding the ins and out of those, 
that is a second language to successful people. You have to know it. Like, I can't even tell you how many people I've impressed just because they thought that I would not understand or know something they were speaking on. Uh, you know, several impressed, you know, officers in the military suddenly like I'm having conversations with them and giving mm -hmm. my opinion on stock advice, which they normally never turn an, an ear to, right? Not mm -hmm. from like my rank. No, because so, you're an E4. Who would listen to you? Same exactly. with me. <laughs> but when it's like, oh, no, that's the that's the E4 that knows stocks or et cetera, et cetera. It's like, you know, now I have people hitting me up all the time, right? Like it's, 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 it's interesting uh, because it, people will attribute what you know to your, to your personality and they turn to you as the financial guy. And that, that does a lot more for your, for your networking than you think it will. Yeah. Super big networking piece. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very intelligent words. Thank you for that. This was awesome. As always, thanks for tuning in and I look forward to next week's podcast. Stay hungry guys.